0: What do Americans love more than free money? How about B-list actors running around trying to find free money? If you think that's correct, then sit back and let us tell you about the treasure hunt comedy craze that dominated movie theaters in four separate decades. This week's treasures include a scene-stealing Milton Berle, the funniest script John Cleese ever read, and Trash Bags. Lots and lots of trash bags. Treasure Hunt Comedies on this week's This Was a Thing.
1: I'm Ray. And I'm Rob. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast
0: that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. On today's episode, we are looking at treasure hunt comedies. Oh, Specific and niche, folks. Specific and niche. (laughs) This was a thing because every generation since the greatest generation Mm. has attempted to make the quintessential epic treasure hunt comedy. Comedy. Every few years, some of the most brilliant comic performers, writers, directors, and studios come together and they attempt to create a comedy that is based around our need for riches and our need for laughter. Why was this obsession so essential for each movie going generation? And do these movies hold up for subsequent generations who are unfamiliar with the on screen? Artists. Today, we're going to be looking at the history of four treasure hunt comedies that fall under this genre. 1963's It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. There's only four minutes. So angry. So angry. 1979's Scavenger Hunt, 1987's Million Dollar Mystery, and 2001's Rat Race. Ooh, I love Rat Race. Me too. In fact, you're going to be kind of bookended today by a really good film, and I think a really great film. There might be some controversy over which one I think is the good one and which one I think is the great one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yet none of these films would have existed if it had not been for one man who didn't even live to ever see any of these films, and that is Mike Todd. Mike Todd was a producer, an impresario producer, and I know he's a favorite of Ray's. Is that right, Ray, Mike Todd? Well, I mean, I, f- I feel like just Mike Todd's come up in a couple different
1: episodes, and so it's It's just... actually the Mike Todd podcast yeah, now. Yeah, it's the Mike Todd cast.
0: Oh! Oh that's Jesus right this is why you get paid the big bucks. Uh we are still currently looking for a sponsor on Thank Patreon <laughs> uh, as because the Mike Todd family the Mike Todd estate yeah, has they're... just pulled their funding yes, from us. Yes and actually a pending lawsuit is on its way but uh Can't wait can't wait Toddcast lives on. Yes. Mike Todd was a producer, and he came up with an incredibly winning formula for his 1956 movie, Around the World in 80 Days. It's based on the 1873 Jules Verne novel, and the plot of the movie and the book is quite simple, but adventurous and ripe with many different events. But the basic plot is simply this. A man makes a bet that he can travel around the globe, around the world.
1: In, uh, let me guess. Like a little over um, two and a half months. A little
0: higher. Oh. A little under three months. Yeah, that's about it. Okay. 80 days or so. It was actually the original title of the the book. (laughs) Around the world in two? No, no. Maybe three? Three? A little less than three months. A little under three months. 80 days, Jules. Okay, fine, publisher. Fine. Apparently typeset costs a lot now. <laughs> the movie itself has four main stars. David Niven, Cantinflas, Shirley MacLaine, and Robert Newton. And the brilliance of Todd is that it becomes the first of the, quote, make work films in Hollywood, where tons of stars are in the movie. We will just make work for these stars to to, to show up. While you have those four main leads, there are over 40 cameos in this film. Wow. Including... Remember, it's the 50s, folks. Frank Sinatra, Marlena Dietrich, John Gielgud, Jose Greco, Peter Laurie, Buster Keaton, and most importantly, Marion Ross from Happy Days. Oh. Mrs. C. Mississippi. And a SAG rep apparently said to Mike Todd, good heavens Todd, you've made extras out of all the stars in Hollywood. He featured state-of-the-art sound, glorious technicolor, brilliant camera techniques to make it feel even more epic than the film actually is, and at 182 glorious minutes, it is filled with stunning scenery, different locales, situations, and meaning that the audience is never lulled into boredom because it's consistently having a visual treat for the eye. And for this, the movie is awarded with a massive profit, and most importantly, best picture of the year. Oh, The only thing that could make Around the World in 80 Days even more exciting is if a hunt or something was involved. Fogg simply just needed to get from point A to point B. He knows where he's going. Therefore, it is like a stable journey. And will he get there before the clock runs out? But people really love a movie where there is a hunt and no one knows what or how. You ever see Treasure of the Sierra Madre? Ever see Treasure Island? I saw Muppet Treasure Island. Okay, that counts. Yeah. That counts. There's something fun, I think, when you're watching a movie, and you know that people will benefit greatly if they're smart enough and if they're fast enough. And if there's competition, there's really nobody competing with Phineas Fogg in Around the World in 88 Days. No one could. Who, who could compete with Phineas? Gah. What a name. And then also you have to remember at this time in the 1950s and 60s, there was also the game show craze, which was huge on television. And so you had people enjoying watching other people act like idiots all to just get like a few extra dollars in their wallet. In fact, what did it say about the human condition that we loved watching people belittle themselves all for an extra dollar, a dollar more than their neighbor might have? Which is something I think we see on reality television today a lot. I mean, these plots are essentially a reality TV show. Yes, yes. And so keep that in mind as we start to work through this. So enter screenwriters William and Tanya Rose. They are a married couple. Now, William is going to take the lead on this. William is the writer of the Lady Killers movie. Rose had this idea for a Scottish treasure hunt called So Many Thieves. The idea would be it's a small little group of people and they go through Scotland looking for treasure. And he sends the idea as a letter to his agent. And it's like, what do you think of this idea? Now, the agent says, let me see if... I want to show it to a friend of mine to see what they have to say about the structure of it. And that person is director Stanley Kramer. Okay. And Stanley Kramer says, I will buy this letter for $300,000. I will help you with the story, and I must direct it myself. Stanley Kramer wants to make a comedy, a treasure hunt comedy. Here is a clip from one of Stanley Kramer's previous comedies before It's a Mad, 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 Mad World.
2: What else did you do, Mrs. Wallner? Stop it! Stop it! What else do you admit to, Mrs.
0: Wallner? What else? Come on! At this time, Stanley Kramer is one of the most respected Serious movie directors of his era, having directed Judgment at Nuremberg, which you just heard, which was about the Nazi war trials, and Inherit the Wind, which is about the Scopes Monkey Trial. Not the person that you think of for a flat-out comedy. (laughs) He's never done a comedy, but he is determined to make a comedy to prove to himself, to the critics, to the industry, that he can do more than movies with serious social issues. Because that's all he was really known for at this time. And he's practically saying, "I I can be funny too. And in true Kramer fashion, it will be held together, this comedy movie, by an observation on the human condition. And that observation is greed. Okay, He is determined not to just make a comedy film. Stanley Kramer is determined to make the definitive comedy film. The comedy film that will end all other comedy films. The Gone with the Wind of Comedy. The Gone with the Wind of Comedy. That's actually a great way of putting it. Already, this sounds like a massive leap from stirring drama to slapstick comedy. And he retitles the film something a little less serious. That's what (laughs) he titles it because everyone's just said he did serious films. It's kind of vain to change the title like that. So he just changes it to It's a Mad... Mad, mad, mad world. It's four mads. Stanley Kramer's biggest regret about this film is he didn't add a fifth mad. I was going to say, I was going to get. That's true. I'm not surprised by that. Now, if you've never seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, I'm going to give you the plot of it in in as simple as can be, and it's actually a labyrinth of a movie, so I will try to do this to the best of my ability. A motorist goes careening off the side of a highway. And he crashes down in an embankment, and all the male motorists in the other cars that were around him at the time that saw this pull to the side of the road. They rush down to help this man to see if he survived the crash these The people that rush down include a dentist, a moving man, two entertainers, and an executive. Some of them have their wives and their mothers in law in the car waiting for them, right? Once the guys get down there, the dying man reveals that he has buried three hundred and fifty thousand dollars under a big W in Santa Rosita State Park, but he doesn't tell them anything more than that, and he dies. The motorists then try to find a way that they can all go down, find the money, and split it evenly amongst each other, but no one can agree on how best to split the money, so it's every man, this is my favorite line with Buddy Hackett, it's every man, including the old bag, for themselves. He's referring to Ethel, Ethel Merman. Merman. Yes, we'll talk about her in a second. And along the way, each car runs into their own troubles, getting into various hijinks like being locked in a hardware store, trying to fly an airplane, being held captive by gas station attendants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Along the way, they also pick up more greedy people, including a shyster con man, a British botanist, an alcoholic pilot, two blue-collar taxi drivers, and a groovy mama's boy. That's the great Dick Sean. Unbeknownst to all of these people... Is that Captain Culpepper of the Santa Rosita State Police Department has spent the last few years obsessing over this case, but doesn't know where this guy hid the money. And he knows these greedy folks will lead him to the treasure. He can finally find out, put the case to rest and retire. Now, this is a very condensed version of what will turn out to be a movie that lasts 197 minutes. And it is a good 197. And you also have to remember at this time that movie studios were having a huge problem, which was television was forcing people to stay at home and not go to the theater as much. So what could movies offer people that television could? Could not. So Kramer goes, well, we're going to film it in Ultra Pano Vision 70, and we'll present it in Cinerama. So that way, the entire movie looks huge and looks even more epic. And here's the goop and the gag. Now, you might go, what is the goop and the gag? What is the goop and the gag? That's a great question. It's a term that they said on RuPaul's Drag Race, and I'm, I'm trying to integrate it more into my vocabulary. Okay. It just means, here's the deal. Got it. Kramer knows exactly how to make the ultimate comedy film. It will star the most popular comedians of the time period. And much like around the world in 80 days, they will fill out even the one line roles and cameos throughout the film. So can we get all these funny people in one place at the same time? And they come up with a cast list, him and and the Roses, And, and and in the original notes, this was in the original notes, the dying motorist is going to be played by Buster Keaton, the great silent film star. Okay. The detective that's watching them all is going to be Jack Benny, who is one of the most popular television and radio.
1: Rochester.
0: Rochester. And the five guys down there to come see what happened are going to be television's biggest stars. You have to remember, folks, there's only three channels at this time. So- Each of these men that I'm going to mention had their own television show and were huge. And they didn't really appear on each other's shows ever. So imagine getting all of these amazing comedians in like one place at the same time. The five motorists going down there will be Milton Berle, Sid Caesar, Red Skelton, Jackie Gleason, and Phil Silvers. Wow. And the wives up in the car are going to be Lucille Ball, Imogene Coca, and the executive's mother in law, who's this overbearing mother in law, is either going to be Sophie Tucker or Mae West. Dreamless. This is dreamless. So while it's not confirmed, like who, they, they didn't say really who was going to play who. They were just like, these are the people we want to get. We'll figure out the roles later. I would assume that Milton Burrow will play the role he's going to play in the film, which is the executive. Yeah. Red Skelton and Phil Silvers were the entertainers. Caesar was the dentist, and maybe Jackie Gleason was the moving man. We don't know. So Red Skelton, who's kind of a name that we don't really remember anymore today, his big thing was very like mild, sweet comedy. He used to do clowns. He was always dressed like a clown. He would paint clowns a lot. He was a very sweet man, but his comedy... Just really hasn't survived today.
1: (laughs) Oh, I watched enough of it. Did you really? The Red Skeleton? My
0: dad was really. Grandmother Clem Clem
1: Cadiddlehopper, I think
0: was his name. My dad had like the six tape set of Red Skeleton show. Well, for a man that nobody remembers today, the reason he's not in the movie is because his price is too high. (laughs) He's like, you got to pay me a lot. Jackie Gleason, I don't think, ever made it past conversations. And so then it's decided okay, the dentist and his wife. Will be played by Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. Okay. Because they had done tons of movies together. So it'd be kind of cool to see them reunite, right? Get out of the barn. Get out of the barn. And then get locked in a hardware store. But she can't find the time to film it because she's busy. They decide that they're going to use a guy also who was incredibly revolutionary in television comedy, whose name has sort of slipped through the cracks of time because we don't really have a lot of his stuff to look at. And that's Ernie Kovacs, who was this uh, surreal surreal television comedian, Ernie Kovacs and his wife, Edie Adams, they're going to play the dentist and his wife, but Kovacs dies in a car crash. And they're like, well, you know, Edie Adams, you don't have to continue on with the project. And she said, no, I need to. Cause he left me in debt. So even after her husband died, she immediately went back to work oh to pay gosh. off his debts. And they pair her with Sid Caesar, who was also one of the greatest Sid comedians amazing. of his time. The great improv comedian, Jonathan Winters, is going to be the moving man. They're going to put Mickey Rooney and Buddy Hackett together as the entertainers that stop by. And then Milton Burl is going to be married to an actress named Dorothy Provine. And the mother-in-law will be played by Broadway star. Legend. Legend. Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman did not make a lot of films, but I am so happy that this is the film that she is remembered for. She's because so great in it. I I will say this: I do not understand how she didn't get not, she did not get an Oscar nomination for this film. Ethel Merman in this movie as an overbearing mother-in-law still makes me laugh today, even though the movie is almost like a hundred years she's, old. She's probably point. the best person in this film with, that's full of amazing people, right? And now this is pretty big because you well, like I said. Milton Burrow, Phil Silver, Sid Caesar, biggest names in television. Buddy Hackett, Jonathan Winters, they were known as stand-ups. Spencer Tracy, Mickey Rooney, they had been on film for a long time. And then along the way, they pick up Phil Silvers as a con man. The British botanist is going to be played by a guy named Terry Thomas. Not to mention, folks, you're going to have cameos by Don Knotts, Jerry Lewis, Jack Benny, Buster Keaton, Carl Reiner, Arnold Stang, Zazu Pitts, and who got a cameo that got the biggest round of applause every time the film was premiered. Stooges. The three stooges show up as firemen for literally five seconds S- of the film. S- I remember the first time I saw that, this film and I was like, oh my God. It's really marvelous. And what's kind of cool is it's not a lot of like actors. No. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, he's like, I'm going to get you all the different worlds of comedy. So production on the film begins in April and ends in December. That's it's a pretty long shoot. That is a long shoot. That's a mad, 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 mad shoot. And the first thing that they film on this movie without the cast or all the stunts and the opening of the film, if you've never seen it, is really something. It's all these cars chasing one another at a really furious speed on dangerous highways with curves. Curves. I mean, the cars are so beautifully choreographed. And there's no CGI. Do you know what I mean? It's like a,
1: a great scene. It's, it's a
0: breathtaking scene thing you wouldn't make. And because the movie's being presented in Cinerama, which shows a lot of detail, it doesn't hide anything. All the stuntmen and women wear masks of the actors. So that way it actually looks like Milton Berle or Sid Caesar when they're doing stunts. Here's a little bit of Carrie Lofton, the stunt supervisor for It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. Discussing what it was like having the cast see all the footage that he shot before they even arrived on
2: set. No, he takes the whole cast down to see this deal. One would go and the other would they stop and go, and they did. The cars were doing takes. Buddy Hackett says to him when it's over, Stanley, you mean you're going to spoil this beautiful picture by have us trying to put dialogue in there? I told him I said, Well, my premiere was a success. I hope yours don't flop. <laughs>
0: Now, when you watch the film, it's clear that all the actors in this are having a great time with one another and have great respect for each other. Milton Berle, Mr. Television, is also known as somebody who's got a very big schmeckle ego. Oh, But he does have a big schmeckle, too. That's the story, folks. Milton Berle had the biggest penis in Hollywood. But Milton Berle's ego didn't quit in this film and he's also he's very funny in this film but here's this is a great story that I think summarizes Milton Berle
2: we were all in a taxi cab it like seemed like 15 of us we were like in a little circus car and we stopped and he told us which ones to get out first and whatever and every time he would do this scene Milton would be the last one on the in the shot he'd be there doing something so finally he gave Milton a number I think he was number seven out of 15 and we all got out we all peeled off and ran off and number seven left and he said okay cut that's a print the next day he came in he said I don't Stanley came in and said I don't know how he did it I saw him get off and leave but when I watched the dailies there he was the last one actor. it's Milton
0: another great story about Milton Berle, involves the great Phil Silvers. Now, you have to remember, all of these guys sort of came up with each other. Oh, yeah. At the same time. So as you can tell when they talk about each other, it's done with affection. It's not like, oh, my God, the fucking asshole, he wouldn't leave. You know what I mean? It's just, that's who he it's is. It's like, that's who he is, and you accept it. This is a great story, I think, about how funny Phil Silvers was. Another Another great comedian that maybe we don't remember so
2: much. Sometimes off the scene they would do tricks on each other see we were never allowed to see dailies Stanley said absolutely no and not one of us was allowed to have a telephone because that would mean he'd have to have 85 telephones in the dressing rooms so uh, Phil Silvers he seated himself with his back to Milton who was uh, with another chair right back here and he starts to talk to us very loudly saying yeah I was at the dailies last night and you know what Edie you didn't really look so good I told Stanley he ought to put you a little to <laughs> he started to talk about though he as though he had been at the dailies and Milton turns away we can see him turning around he said is he turning around yet is he gone he said he's, he's not gone to the phone yet He said, "Um, I've got to phone New York. I've got to get to my dressing room. And in 15 minutes, Milton's agent was on the set. And he said, I did it.
0: (laughs) Just like that, that pettiness. Oh, that's so great. The film opened at the newly built Cinerama Dome in Los Angeles, November 7th, 1963. The movie was budgeted at $10 million. It went over budget and it took in $60 million. Wow. And watching, I think like from a historical perspective, watching these great comedians who never worked with each other getting to play with each other is like watching Milton Berle and Sid Caesar like these two titans of comedy playing off of each other no it's it's great you just go wow hey friends hope you're enjoying the show if you are could you do us a favor? after you listen to today's episode open up your podcast app and leave us a review please the more reviews we get the more people will discover us and the more people that discover us the less lost we'll feel you're good buddy it's okay
1: uh look nothing has ever been easier to do just go ahead and grab a pen real quick it's okay we'll wait don't worry
0: okay head on over to your podcast app click those three dots in the lower right hand corner Click Go to Show, scroll down till you see ratings and reviews, then leave us some stars and a comment or two so our parents know that it was worth all the tuition that they spent. And if you really love us,
1: head on over to Patreon.com and send us some money, and in return, you will get access to merch, special episodes, bonus
0: content, pictures of me shirtless. Okay, okay, that's P-A-T... R-E-O-N dot com. Search This Was a Thing and help us out. But you know what? You've already helped us out today by listening to us. And we can't tell you how much we appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. So Kramer might not have succeeded necessarily making the definitive comedy film. It feels in some ways to me academic. Like I'm going to make a comedy film. And a comedy film has a chase, and then it has this, and totally. then it has that. I don't know how spontaneous the film feels. Whatever, we can all discuss. I still watch it all the time. I'm like, it's still, I, it's I still I love fun. it. And like I said, you know, there's a joy of seeing those stars and in, in their time. And I think that's what he should be awarded for more than anything is that he was able to get all of these great pioneers of comedy in their natural habitat. And like, there is a record of that. So how do you even top this? Every big comedy star in the world is showing up in this film. Why would you even try to top this accomplishment? Now, there's a couple of other films that sort of do like variations on this and around the world in 80 days. There's The Great Race with Tony Curtis, The Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machines with Stuart Whitman. Well, leave it to a mall developer to fund a mad world for the 1970s. And that is going to be called Scavenger Hunt. Ooh. Ready, set, start. Scavenger Hunt. Starring Richard Benjamin, James Coco, Scatman Crothers, Ruth Gordon, Cloris Leachman,
1: Clevon Little, Roddy McDowell, Robert Morley, Richard Mulligan, Tony Rattle, with Dirk Benedict. Also starring Willie Ames, Stephanie Farise, Stephen Furst, Richard Badger. Special appearances by Meatloaf, Pat McCormick, Vincent Price, Avery Schreiber, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Liz Torres, Carol Wayne. Scavenger Hunt. A race for $200 million rated PG. Starts Christmas Day at a
0: select theater near you. So Scavenger Hunt has four writers attached to this movie and you wonder why there were so many people involved in this after you see the film You're like what was everybody doing. There was a guy by the name of Melvin Simon and Melvin Simon was the businessman who created a very successful strategy when it came to mall development. He would entice a very large anchor tenant like a JCPenney, Robinson's, Robinson's May. May, to a department store. He would charge them less rent, then he would use the contract to obtain bank financing for the construction of the mall, usually with you know minimal investment on his own end, and then once the project was completed, he would then charge smaller stores a higher rate to be in that mall. You want to be next to Robinson's May, baby? Absolutely. So he makes himself a lot of money. And at some point, Melvin fancies himself a, a movie producer. And Scavenger Hunt is born. His big film in life will be Porky's, but that oh. happens later on. Now, to direct Scavenger Hunt, he gets the very hot car wash director, car wash, Michael Schultz, to helm the picture. Now, Scavenger Hunt, very briefly, is about a game-obsessed millionaire. His name is Milton Parker. Milton Bradley, Parker Brothers, who says that his $200 million estate will be awarded to the beneficiary who can get the most items collected in a scavenger hunt. So everyone has the same list of like 100 or so items. Each item is worth a different point value and whoever has the most points at the end gets his $200 million estate. And the rule is they can't purchase anything. So, You had the greatest minds in comedy, the greatest performers in comedy doing It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Scavenger Hunt is going to take a different approach to all of that. Here's the cast of Scavenger Hunt. Richard Benjamin is a shady lawyer who teams with Parker's sister, Cloris Leachman, and her slower son, Richard Massour. The guy's house staff is there, his butler, his chef, his chauffeur, and his maid, played by Roddy McDowell, James Coco. Cleavon Little from Blazing Settles and Stephanie Pharisee, his widowed son-in-law, Tony Randall, and Tony Randall's brood of children, and Richard Mulligan as a taxi driver from Soap, and then his nephews, Willie Ames and Dirk Benedict and Cloris Leachman's daughter, Maureen Teefy, they'll join and they'll be a threesome. So those are the uh, five teams that are all competing <laughs> for this, this thing. I think
1: the scavenger hunter's trying to find someone I knew who the fuck it is in that That's... movie. <laughs>
3: can,
0: can you, if you Vincent Price is Vincent Price, by the way, plays the, the, the game guy who okay, dies. That makes sense. And I just imagine like yes, four points if you can tell me who the fuck Willie Ames is. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert Morley is the lawyer that presides over everything. And there are cameos. Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a guy who works at a gym. Wow. Ruth Gordon shows up, Liz Torres, Scatman Carruthers, Meatloaf, and like I said, Vincent Price. Now, here are the fun, wacky things they need to find. Are you ready? A parachute. False teeth, hockey stick, a toilet, a microscope, crystal ball, an ostrich. (laughs) And in a moment of non-PC-ness, the team with the heaviest person gets 50 bonus points. Not like one of them is the heaviest. No, They They have to to find find a heavy person. And bring them in, and they get fifty points for that. And here is the first big issue with Scavenger Hunt, which I never really noticed until I read Gene Siskel's review of it. But the objects are so ordinary. No, that's the first thing you said to me, I was like, "What?" Like, there's no real fun or excitement about like watching Roddy McDowell like unscrew a toilet, and like, or, or Richard Mulligan like puts on a bridal dress to like steal a bridal, and it's like this is it's pedestrian. Like, there's nothing interesting. The only thing that's interesting is like the ostrich. Rob, I swear to fucking God I was going to say the only thing I'd be interested in seeing is what are they going to do about that crazy ostrich? Here's the thing. Every team, spoiler alert, every team does end up with an ostrich all from the same location. But how they steal it, it's, it's always the same. There are many reviews that say, in general, even the best actors can't elevate bad material. But there's a really weird casting choices in this movie. I mean... The great thing about Mad Mad World was they said let's get the best comics around, and they'll really make each of their set pieces work. And if there's a fault in its a Mad 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 World, it's not the performers. It's literally that the things are going on too long, right? Yeah. Scavenger Hunt is it says the opposite. Instead of saying let's get Mad Mad World was like let's get comics who can act. Scavenger Hunt's like let's get actors that are funny. Oh, that'll work. And that's a big mistake. Like in interviews, Richard Benjamin said he based his slimy lawyer character on Wiley e. Coyote and Richard Massour said he based his character on a kid that he grew up with. I'm like, this isn't a fucking method acting class. (laughs) Like, these are actors who rely on funny dialogue. Unlike a Sid Caesar or a Milton Berle or a Phil Silvers that I'm sure they have brilliant writers, but they add so much to the film. Yeah. Right? The other thing is that I really wanted to appreciate it's about, It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, unlike Scavenger Hunt, is all the actors in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, they're all actually coming from the same comedy roots. They're all coming out of a vaudeville burlesque tradition. and They have the same respect for each other. And they all speak the same language, and in some way, they're all performing in the same world. Scavenger Hunt, it's like a hodgepodge. Of comedy, it's like there's James Coco, and he's like the Nathan Lane of his time. Then there's Roddy McDowell, who's a great film actor. James Coco is the great stage actor. Willie Ames, who was like cute but not funny. You know what I mean? So it's like no one's unified. And I was like, why not get the greatest comics of their time to do Scavenger Hunt? And I was like thinking like in that time, like there's nobody in there from SNL. Like, where's John Belushi? Where's Chevy Chase? Where's Jimmy J.J. J. Walker? Where's Woody Allen? Where You know what I mean? Where are all the big comics? Carol O'Connor. Mary Tyler Moore. Like, where are they? Unless they were like, I think I'm going to pass. Do you
1: think that after seeing It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, contracts started getting crazier in Hollywood,
0: and then people could oh, get out of it and maybe. stuff? Oh, maybe. That's actually I never thought of that before. Here's Siskel and Ebert with their review of Scavenger Hunt.
2: My Dog of the Week is one of the most pathetic comedies I've ever seen. It's Scavenger Hunt. Boy, is this dumb. <laughs> all, people wander around like Tony Randall and Cloris Leachman. They run all over San Diego trying to swipe an entire toilet and a set of
0: antlers. <laughs> That's all there is to scavenger hunt, which is not only about collecting trash,
2: this is trash. Another real
0: winner, and so much for the dogs. Now let's take one And here's some of the reviews. An All-Star cast plays unsuccessfully for Laughs, People magazine. When a movie's jokes are so noticeably without punchlines, only a mood of uproarious confusion can save the day. Mr. Schultz takes an orderly approach that only makes the movie more of a mess. New York Times. Utterly wretched comedy, all movies. Not at all good, but almost fascinating for its cast and the wrong headedness of its approach to comedy. So the movie gets such bad reviews, it goes away really, really, really fast. It got put onto VHS in 1983. It was never on, like, Laserdisc or any DVD or anything, and then finally they released it on Blu-ray in 2017. Oh. And so if you want to see Scavenger Hunt and see what we're talking about, folks, head on over there. I think the reason that this movie probably just didn't succeed the way it was supposed to, like we said, it's just not funny and you don't have the right people in there to make this thing work. After that, you kind of get a couple like variations on this, like the epic comedy with a lot of people. There's Midnight Madness, Cannonball Run, if mm-hmm. you're a Burt Reynolds fan. So now the Hunt movie, which is thin to begin with, so now it removed great comedians and replaced them with actors. You know, could you make this formula, this format, this genre any worse? Yet yeah, you can. What if we did the same sort of movie, but now with no name actors? that nobody's ever seen before, and massive product placement. I'd be down. And we make the movie a real-life treasure hunt. Here's a trailer for a new film, 1987. How would you like four million bucks? Yeah, four million, million dollars. Down 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 down.
2: There's four million hidden in four different places. A million in each place. Federal free. <laughs> A madcap
3: race to riches. Ah! They must be crazy. Sure, they're my folks. Million Dollar Mystery. Five, six, seven, eight. They're all after a fortune, and nothing is going to stand in their way.
0: Your lives are a rest. The movie is from 1987. It's called Million Dollar Mystery, or sometimes called Money Mania. They couldn't figure out the title that they wanted to use, so they released it with both titles. I like them both. Just put both out. The plot of this one is a group of travelers, none knowing one another, are eating at a roadside diner when one of them has a heart attack. And his dying words are that he has hidden $4 million in four different locations, a million dollars in each location. And he gives a clue to where it is, and then he dies. And apparently the money is stolen from the Libyans. How very 1980s. Oh, so 80s. Want a punchline? Libya. Now, the dying man in this movie is played by Tom, Mr. Cunningham Bosley.
1: Oh, so it's not no
0: name. And he is cast not because he was a good actor, no, no, but because he was the spokesperson for glad trash bags (laughs) who own this movie. Here we go. The movie is the idea of producer Dino De Laurentiis, who produced for Fellini and Visconti and Lumet and and Altman. One day, De Laurentiis is walking down the street in New York City, and he sees a line of people, long line of people, presumably waiting to get into a movie. And he asks his friend, what movie are they trying to get into? And the friend says, no, 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 no. He goes, they're all waiting in line to buy lottery tickets. And he comes up with an idea. He says, what if he produced a movie that gave clues to a real-life treasure. People will pay to see the movie to get the clues, and he'll make a fortune, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad idea. Budget is $10 million. guy named Richard Fleischer is going to direct this. Richard Fleischer had done 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Dr. Doolittle, and Conan the Destroyer. So let's give him a comedy. And the cast, oh boy. De idea, maybe to save money, even though the budget is $10 million, is that they'll go with up-and-coming comics. So the people that you meet in this movie that are looking for the million dollars is the Briggs family, played by Rick Overton, Mona Lydon, and Douglas Emerson. There's nerdy newlyweds Wendy Sherman and Eddie Deason. There's a band that's traveling, and that consists of Daniel McDonald, Penny Baker, Tawny Fay, and Legina Hart, and the siblings who own the restaurant, which are, who are played by Royce D. Applegate and Pam Madison. Plus, along the way, they, like all the other movies, pick up people, and they pick up Rich Hall. And Kevin Pollack. And every fucking million dollars in this film, guess what, my friend, is always in a glad trash bag. Oh, perfect. Does it have the label on it? Oh, it's always a glad trash bag. At the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they only find three of the four million (gasps) dollars. And at the end, the characters say, hey, there's still a million dollars out there. And they look to the camera and say, can you find it? So ticket buyers were given game cards when they bought their ticket. And it was shaped like American currency. But instead of the president's face, it was Dino De Laurentiis' face. Oh, my God. And there's entry forms which contain additional clues to finding this million dollars that are obtainable in glad bag packages (laughs) or in the movie theater. Well, no one cares. (laughs) And the movie takes in $989,000. Against their $10 million budget. And 365,000 people correctly guessed where the money was (laughs) hidden. Which ended up being in the nose of the Statue of Liberty. What? They didn't actually put the money up the nose of the Statue of Liberty. You had to be like, oh, that's where you're saying it's hidden. So they had to have a drawing to give one of these people the million dollars and... It was won by Alessia Linnae Jones of Bakersfield, California. Miss Jones was 14 years old, and she bought a horse, braces, and then helped her family out a little bit. (laughs) You can't make this up. Mad 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 World was like, hey, we have a really great idea here. Scavenger Hunt was like, let's take out all the good people. And then Million Dollar Mystery was like, let's take out all the good people, all the writing and just make it even more fucked up look let's take everything out and just put the bags in that'll be fine so can we redeem this genre and we get one last try and to me I think it's the most successful out of all of them six strangers are about to be given two million dollars the chance of a lifetime first one there keeps it
2: all it's like a race
0: he said race ah! By land. By air.
2: I just wanted to say hi to my boyfriend. Did I come in a bad time?
0: By whatever it takes. Rat race. Help me, my God, help me! So... Rat Race based on the trailer alone you can hear it's already made an improvement I think in some ways on its a mad mad, mad, mad world because in mad world the brilliance is the physical comedy but there's no funny dialogue in a mad Mar- there just really there just isn't there's nothing funny in the movie verbally there's no verbal comedy it's all physical comedy and Rat Race from 2001 is going to fix that for us, I think. It's going to be directed by Airplane's Jerry Zucker. It's going to be written by SNL's Andy Breckman, and the cast is going to include Rowan Atkinson, Whoopi Goldberg, John Lovitz, Kathy and Jimmy, Kathy Bates, Cuba Gooding Jr., Seth Green, Breckenmeyer, Paul Rodriguez, Amy Smart, Wayne Knight, and John Cleese. John Cleese who said, quote, it's so unusual to get a top-class script. Twice in my life I've had the experience of reading a script and simply saying, quote, I am going to do this. Rat Race being one of them i don't know what the other one i I guess fish called wanda but didn't he wrote fish called wanda well (laughs) so that makes sense that makes sense you know what's interesting it's better than scavenger hunt obviously because it features real comics and real actors it's better than all the other movies i think so far because there's a lot of great verbal comedy in the film and zucker is the master of comedy and sight gags So for those of you that don't know the plot of this movie, it's about a Vegas hotel magnate played by John Cleese, and he has a group of Vegas gamblers race from Las Vegas to New Mexico, and there they will find a locker filled with $2 million in cash. The first to get to the locker gets to keep the cash, and there are no rules on how they get it, so it's a free-for-all. What they don't know is that this game has been devised by Cleese for the hotel's high rollers who bet who in the rat race will get to New Mexico first. That's a neat twist, I think. Oh, yeah. As well as Reckon and Smart, they have a love story. So now we're connected and all of the characters in this have a human relationship going on. They're not just archetypes. Goldberg is trying to reunite with her daughter. John Lovitz and Kathy and Jimmy are just trying to have a family vacation and like get through the day without, you know, killing themselves. Cuba Gooding Jr. plays a, a referee who's a pariah in the world because he made a really bad call, oh, so everybody right. recognizes him and hates him. Rowan Atkinson is narcoleptic. I mean, Italian. It's Ital- Italian. So anyway, they're already, they're fleshing these things out as opposed to something like, I mean, in a Mad, 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 Mad world, as great as those actors are, they're interchangeable. Milton Burrow could play Jonathan Winter's yeah. part and Jonathan Winter, You know, I mean, it, it can go all over the place. This is now giving us actual personalities. Therefore, we become invested and we kind of go, I want them all to win. And they all are so perfect at playing each part. The budget for the movie is $48 million. And it takes in a worldwide total of $85.5 million. The reviews were not that good. However, I think he and Breckman do some like, really great things. Like I said, you, know, you get to care about all the characters. Each of them are very, very specific. And it features some very iconic dialogue. Like uh, in this scene where uh, John Lovitz and Kathina and Jimmy are racing to the cache, and their little daughter has to go to the bathroom. I was going to ask about this.
2: Dad, I have to go. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I really do. Well, can't you hold it in? Dad, I don't have to pee. It's number two. Sorry, I can't stop. Dad, I'm prairie dogging it. What the hell does that mean? You know, like when a prairie dog sticks its head in and out of the ground.
1: Oh, 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 I do not want to picture that.
0: So it has that kind of humor. <laughs> in all the other movies, there's never what I call like a fuck yeah moment where the character triumphs. In all the other movies, you never have that. And in Rat Race, there are so many fuck yeah moments. Like watching John Lovett steal Adolf Hitler's car is a fuck yeah moment. When she swoops down with the helicopter and she cuts the cheating boyfriend's swimming pool with the blades. That's a fuck yeah moment and that i think is what these other movies don't necessarily have on it so for a movie that didn't get the best reviews when it came out how is it so how how is it a cult movie now and it's because it's that unending play that was on television remember it was on all the time and i think over time people just started to realize this is a really funny movie and i think it checks all the boxes i think it's a mad 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 world walked So, Rat Race could run. Why this last movie came out in 2001? Why have we not seen a treasure hunt comedy with a big cast in a long time? We'll talk about that when we come back. And now, this is a sketch. Coming soon to a Canadian theater near you, eh? America's tried it four times. Now it's time for the Great White North. Canada's greatest entertainment treasures are all coming together to go on a madcap adventure. But not that kind of mad because they're all happy, eh? Through most of Canadians' provinces as they search for the perfect poutine. Except they don't go through Quebec because that's a French-speaking territory and we don't want any misunderstandings, eh? But don't worry, Celine is still along for the ride. If it's the last thing that I, Celine Dion, do, I will find this poutine. If you love the madcap car chases and it's a mad, 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 mad world, then you'll like the obeying the speed limit laws of our Canadian cast as they drive safely and yield to pedestrians as they crisscross aboot the beautiful Canadian landscape, all in an effort not to fill their wallets but their appetites with the nourishing warmth of Canadian poutine. Mike, put on your seatbelt. We have to obey the laws. Oh, behave. Only a few miles behind them at a safe distance is a car filled with some of Canada's greatest singers, Celine, Shania, Avril, and Shatner. Now you sing it, Bill. Near, far, wherever you are. And nothing says Canada like learning from your elders. Part three is driven by Ryan Reynolds and his co-pilot, 60 Minutes reporter Morley Safer, eh? Hot on their trail are hockey legends Wayne Gretzky and Gordie Howe, who will do anything to get this poutine. Let's get that poutine.
1: Sure there, Wayne.
0: But first, let's stop at Timmy's and get a cup of decaf and a cruller. eh? We should also get some for the other cars. Hey, good thinking there, Wayne. With a soundtrack by Canadian music icons Neil Young and Drake, you know this film will be something else. Come and join these kooky Canucks as they work together to make sure everyone gets their fair share of poutine. It's an a a a a a world, eh? Come in this Saint Jean-Baptiste Day to every providence but Quebec.
1: Je suis désolé, Quebec, de moi, Céline Dion.
0: This film is funded by the Canadian Travel Board, you hosier. Thank you. This was a sketch. So, what are the legacies of these films? Is a Mad 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 World the funniest comedy of all time? No, it's got the most comedians in a film, but I, it doesn't make me consistently giggle. You can mute the movie and still get an idea of of what's going on. And Scavenger Hunt and a million dollar a million dollar mystery Money Mania, whatever the hell it's called, are I think nostalgic for people that grew up being like, I remember watching this show on 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 TV for me it's rat race rat race to me is the most successful of these and we don't see any of these anymore and i think it's because what we we're saying at the beginning of the show which is this concept has moved to reality television amazing race plus survivor is really like the new equivalent oh, yeah. of this right we will make people do crazy wacky things they will be crazy and wacky in their own right and we'll see who can win the fortune by the end and i think that every epic comedy sit has tried to use variations on this formula that was created. I think if you were to do a new one of these today in a mo- in a movie format, I think people would probably really enjoy it. And I would I would actually I was like I would love to see like a remake of Mad World with like so many different we have so many different comedians now oh, yeah. that it might be interesting to see what those worlds look like. Although Scavenger Hunt shows you what different comic worlds look like. And it'll be nice to see some fucking diversity in uh, these yeah. things. Have you ever seen any you saw Rat Race? I've seen Rat Race and it's mad mad but mad But you've mad never world. seen Scavenger Hunter I didn't know $1 million about mystery
1: them until we started doing this.
0: So, do you have any Glad trash bags in the house? Uh, I could do Kirkland signature. That's not who's sponsoring this film. The production company by the way had to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> the movie was 10 million dollars. It only made 900,000 and they still had that the the million that they were giving away was not part of the 10 million budget. <laughs> And Dino De Laurentiis is just laughing in his hill. He's also the asshole that was like, Meryl Streep was too ugly to be in King Kong. Did you ever hear that story? Well, I mean, I don't think she should play an Abe. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Yeah.
3: This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder. They found the gold. They found <laughs> the gold. Oh, they look at Yeah, they found the gold, and they did the dance. They found the gold. That's an old prospector. It's just a fun. It's just a fun character to do. So X always marks the spot, right? X that's always the, marks the spot. That's the big thing with treasure hunts, treasure maps. X always marks that spot. So I, it got me thinking that maybe uh, we could play a game with X marks the spot. Sure. A different version of the word X. This is uh, famous people's romantic X's. Oh. oh okay. Okay. So I am going to name three people who are the X's of a certain celebrity. Okay. And you try and tell me who the celebrity is, who has dated and or married and or dated and or relatively known with Elizabeth these Taylor people. Yes, they're all Elizabeth Taylor. Are we, are, do we play together or are we against each other? I want you guys deliberating and working together. Because I think that as a team, you guys, you do really well. Individually, not so much is what I'm hearing. Individually, it's a, it's a cluster F. We, we work really well together. First one, Jake Gyllenhaal, Taylor Lautner, Tom Hiddleston. I gotta say Taylor Swift It is Taylor Swift Taylor Swift has dated all three of those It was the Tom Hiddleston that gave it Wow, I didn't know that She dated Loki It's actually in episode four (laughs) Okay, Naomi Campbell Vanna White Brigitte Nielsen Sylvester Stallone Yeah, Sylvester Stallone Stallone dated all three Dennis Rodman David Blaine Sean Penn Madonna Madonna Wow Linda Ronstadt Jenny McCarthy Renee Zellweger Uh, uh, Jim Carrey Jim Carrey is right. Who, who's the first? Linda Ronstadt.
0: Mm-hmm. Linda Ronstadt. They
1: dated uh, when he was starting. He opened for her uh, when he was a young comedian.
3: Hello, <laughs> I didn't know that mm-hmm. he talked about it on Howard. Travis Scott, ASAP Rocky, Drake. It's a Jenner. I'm gonna say Kylie. That's Rihanna. 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 But
1: Travis Scott, I think, is Kylie's baby daddy, though. Right? I believe
3: so. There's some. There's definitely a Kardashian ref. Yeah, that's <laughs> touche. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt, Jessica Simpson. Jennifer Aniston. Brad Pitt? Justin Thoreau. John Mayer. Oh. Yeah, John Mayer had to make this list. He had to make the list. John Mayer's gotten around. All right, check out these hunks. Liam Hemsworth. Chris Pratt. Darren Aronofsky. Liam Hemsworth? Miley?
0: No, she wouldn't have did a Chris Pratt.
3: No. Yeah. Was it one of the Olsons? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence oh. dated those three individuals, including Darren Aronofsky, who she appeared in. The movie really? My Mother. Hmm. Jennifer Grey, Ellen Barkin, Juliette Lewis.
0: Matthew Broderick? I know he dated Jennifer Grey.
3: Yeah. Let's say Matthew Broderick. Johnny Depp. Oh. It's uh, a good guess with the the Matthew Broderick. It's a good one. Liam Neeson, Jason Patrick, Lyle Lovett.
0: Oh, that that's Julia Roberts, right?
3: Yeah.
1: That's Julia. See, I was thrown by... When you said Liam, I went back to Liam Hemsworth, and I was
3: like... Yeah. What? There are other hunky Liams, right? I know. Last one. Beyonce. Alicia Keys. Alyssa Milano.
0: Ooh. Tony Danza.
3: Yeah, he is the boss. He wishes. What are the names again? Beyonce. Alicia Keys. Alyssa Milano.
0: Alyssa... Wait, Alyssa Milano, Rihanna? Yeah, I'm stuck on this one. This was...
3: Justin Timberlake Justin Timberlake went all around there.
0: Wow, I know nothing about people's personal lives
1: I was on Perez Hilton a lot Were you really? In the early uh, Mm -hmm.
3: 2010s, late late 09s I was just 50 years too late with all my celebrities (laughs) (laughs) If if you had done... Who got who pregnant during the golden age of cinema
1: Did you get this from the Post in, I
0: don't know, 44? Is that where you're getting all your...
1: Yeah, that's where
3: I'm getting all my
0: gossip Larry, Moe and Curly, who's the exit they share? Why, yes, it is Curly Joe Dorita. <laughs>
1: oh, wait, isn't Cur- didn't you just mix the other Cur- Curly Joe Dorita? Is- isn't that the two other ones? What was the other? No,
0: no, no, no. There was Curly, yeah, Howard, yeah, and then Curly then was, Joe. No, there was uh, then there was Joe Besser. Joe
1: Besser. Okay, yes, and then Curly Joe. And yes. then Curly Joe Dorita. I Derita.
0: was thinking
3: Joe Besser. Okay, yes, yes. This is
0: a sad story. I heard that nobody showed up to Curly Joe Dorita's funeral
3: except his gardener. Oh, and that was because somebody had to water the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: I don't want this to go bad. They gotta look pretty <laughs> for Curly Joe. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning into our episode about treasure hunt. Comedies. Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, some of your favorite treasure hunt comedies. And if you've seen either Scavenger Hunt or Million Dollar Mystery, which are hard to find. Ray, anything you want to add? Happy searching, because uh, we hope you are looking for treasures. But you were listening to this
1: podcast, well, so yeah. you found treasure. But but here's the thing. This is a great podcast to listen to. While, I mean, I hope maybe they pause it and they're like, I'm going to go search and then finish the rest of this episode. Anyway, have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to This Was A Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running! Our editor Daniel Cut Schwartzberg, our composer Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally our games coordinator Mark the Shark Schroeder! If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ThisWasAThingPod and Facebook we are ThisWasAThingPodcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon! Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show!